0: Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Let's Tech About It. Now, the two usual geeks on the show, well, we chat about a lot of things and there's a lot of banter because I'm Ayush in Bombay and then there's Aman all the way in L.A.
1: And I'm not the only one here in L.A. this time out because we have a very special guest to talk about a very special topic. It's all electric today. It's, I think, very important to the future of not just uh tech companies but i think the future of the world and survival of the world uh, but not to sound too serious there i want to introduce you all to Priyankar Balakai um Pri is a, a fellow Bombayite like Ayush and I and has represent and has go Bombay go Bombay <laughs> uh but now we're go LA <laughs> but anyways he yeah. has dedicated his career to um to automobiles and um trucks and commercial vehicles and since the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years has dedicated to electri- electrification of vehicles and is currently working with two very, very um, out there companies called XOS Trucks and Green Power Motor Company doing some amazing work in the electric vehicle space. And Brant it's really great to have you on. Um, you are the expert, we are just the geeks who like talking about stuff but you're going to actually come in with all the know-how and knowledge that we uh lack in this space but it's um i think here in california governor newsom has said that by 2035 all new cars and passenger trucks have to be electric now that's a big deal and Mm -hmm. that's going to push things in a direction that it's it's starting to go but it's going to make it go a lot faster and then we know in india as well they have a similar sort of policy which is actually even more ambitious than the one here in california because they put a deadline of 2030 now why don't you talk us through just generally how you know you've you know your experience coming in from india and obviously when you started off it was gas-powered engines gas-powered vehicles and now this new push in this electric space. Just talk us through your experience and your uh, journey, if you may.
2: Certainly, Ayush, Aman, thank you for inviting me. Really excited to be here. This is a topic very near and dear to me. And being in the automotive space and in two of having lived in two of the hubs where this is very important, Mumbai, of course, because of the noise, the pollution, everything and L.A. where it's the center of electrification for the world, so to say, knowing CARB and uh, their push for electrification. So, so you know, I think this is a perfect platform and to, to, to talk about this and I'm really excited. So, uh, you know, just to give you a little bit quick background uh, about my journey. So I moved here in 92. Did my engineering year and then since then uh, I was actually designing diesel engines because back then electrification wasn't all all that much talked about. So it was all about emission controls for diesel engines. So, you know, I've worked on several different platforms, worked with Ford, Nissan, you know, and at Navistar, basically uh, designing diesel engines and then diesel trucks in general. And in about 2014, I think I moved to, to, uh, to Los Angeles and as part of uh, taking on a, a new role in, at BYD Motors, which is one of the largest electric car manufacturers in the world, electric vehicle manufacturers in the world. They're actually bigger than Tesla in terms of, numbers of number of vehicles sold. And um, so they were starting American division For trucks. And uh, I was leading that effort here in Los Angeles. So that's how I I guess got into the electric world, because uh, I could tell that diesels were getting legislated out of business, just like they are now in India. It was already starting here. And like, man, I better make a move. And always, you know, having worked in the emission control side, I knew that there's only so much you can do. With you know fossil firm burning fuels, that to clean it up, you have to go zero emissions. You know, so that's how I got started, and it's been an exciting journey. Really, uh, having worked for BYD, which is a huge company, to being one of the first leadership uh, people on uh, at XOS when they they had just started, along with the co-founders, and uh, you know starting to build their business and you know product definition product strategy and now green power i'm kind of involved in a similar capacity in bringing their trucks to the market here and as well as looking at global global markets so uh really excited to be here thank you guys
0: absolutely you know fascinating journey that's been in and like you said, you're perfectly poised and, and positioned for this podcast. Actually, you're our ideal guest because you understand everything about Bombay and that journey to LA, and you're a tech geek, right? Let's accept you are a resident tech geek. That's that's what's gotten you so far uh, in this illustrious career of yours. But it's it's fascinating that you've you've been there, brief, you know, from the dot-com bubble, and then you know, over and into from combustion engines, the move to electric. Because now in the, the narrative. We'll get to how India is approaching it and how China, even Mm -hmm. Singapore, Singapore seems to be uh, quite a competitive place for for even uh, Indian automakers now in terms of their plans to go electric and their plans Mm -hmm. to make it a manufacturing hub for electric. But what I find fascinating is that a lot of tech companies, and I've covered tech over the years with, with organizations, tech companies are making that foray into, well, electric mobility electric vehicles mm-hmm. right that wasn't a traditional thing for a consumer tech or an enterprise tech company to be doing we had dyson that was planning to invest in singapore obviously uh, we, we've got huawei announcing a car there's a ton of these in the u.s there's so many two wheeler three wheeler companies out here in mm-hmm. in india doing some fantastic work is this the tesla effect
2: pre uh, to some to some degree it is and uh, i think also what's what happens is if you really look at compare the old industry to the electric, you know, electric vehicle industry, there's one major component that changes things, right? It's the diesel powertrain, the gasoline powertrain, and um, if you look at traditionally what a diesel powertrain to meet the emission requirements, you required hundreds of millions of dollars investment to differentiate yourself, and to meet the emission standards. And I've been there in my journey at Navistar, looking at the engine platforms every year. The amount of changes we were making and the amount of cost we were adding to every engine was just... It's unfathomable that how you could stay in business and still make money after all the investments you were making, Right. And a, the set of expertise, you won't find that everywhere, right? The set of expertise for diesel engines, you mm-hmm. know? So, mm-hmm. so what's happened is with electrification, motors are used everywhere, batteries are used everywhere, right? There's hard, high power grids everywhere. So it's a, really, it's, the issue is picking out the right componentry and, mm-hmm. and customizing it, also integration and developing it further to meet the needs, as opposed to starting from a fresh sheet of paper, right? So it's almost that this, all these as individual technologies, all these technologies exist. You are now kind of aggregating all these different technologies together and that allows for novices to come into the place so it's space very easily right with if you have the willingness and some of the expertise and you are you know you're able to 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 use your background in like control systems and logic and and controllers and things of like that you can do some amazing stuff with it so it just allows for that that space and everybody else and for the most part people think that you know, oh, everything is. You know, rest of it is all commodities, right? Which, to a certain degree, it is, right? I mean, there's not much innovation going to happen in a car suspension or a truck sus- suspension, right? So, I mean, there, and there are experts in those fields that have established themselves for hundreds of years. They know what they're doing. Why would anybody else go there? Go try to recreate right. something that that's there. So it's really this new powertrain technology makes it that much more compelling for people to get into it and try their luck, right? So right. that's where I think where the tech companies are now foraying into this space is, is, is just a natural evolution of things. But uh, one of the things I have to, you know, being old automotive guy, and looking at some of the tech companies do tend to underestimate the amount of effort work it takes to put a vehicle out because there's, this is a, this is, you're basically, if you look at a car or a truck, it's a weapon in the wrong hands, right? And you have to, you have to be very careful of how it's designed, how, I mean, These companies haven't spent, you know, a hundred years developing processes and testing methods and tests, and you know all these different aspects, safety measures, you know, for no reason. It's it all has some history behind it. So while you have the technology that makes it very simple to get in, but some of the tribal knowledge is going to be very difficult to get in. You
1: know? I think so you, that's
2: where the differentiation happens.
1: Maybe. I think you I think. just put a lot of uh, tech journalists out of a job because I, I saw a lot of <laughs> articles on, you know, by these Verge and I think other sort of uh, similar um, tech sort of platforms as to why is they were questioning or reasoning as to why Apple is going to. Maybe launch a car very soon, but I think we just that's, that's 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 telepathy. You know, I was
0: just gonna, I was just thinking, you know, look, we're all in three different locations at the moment, and. And I wanted to follow up by asking him, saying, "Damn, that really that really glues into and really circles in on our conversation about Apple Car. But that Apple Car conversation's been a rumor for so long, busted so often. But Amman, it kind of answers it, right? Are exactly. they setting up with Kia? Are they tying up with another, you know, Detroit car maker, or are they going, you know, with someone who does something completely different? But I think a lot of the things that uh, Pre just mentioned sort of. Elaborate on that and, yeah. and give you the reasoning why a tech company like Apple would approach exactly. that. I think. And, and also yeah, I don't want to speculate on that up. Apple car, but yeah.
1: But and, and also why they would tie up with the manufacturer because, Correct. as pre mentioned, they, you know, he, he, they need to have some form of experience and knowledge that only a traditional car manufacturer would have. So it, it makes sense. So, and obviously, Apple, being the biggest tech company in the world, would do something. Like so if counter, you look at
2: history. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. Uh,
1: sorry, sorry. If you look Bruno, at the history
2: but, of Tesla, that's exactly absolutely. how they did.
1: Right. Absolutely.
2: And, right. and, and they and, hired and, Lotus, they hired the best of the best, and then and, they brought in those expertise. Right. And, you know, even though their philosophy was a little different than, you know, most other yeah. car companies, like they scrapped the traditional dealer networks right. and everything else. But hey, when you had the backing like they did, you yeah. know, right, right. in terms of cash, you can do that. Not
0: yeah, everybody you know, has that. And, and that's interesting you say that because the counter-argument, that Aman's talking about us tech journalists, the counter-argument that analysts are making when it comes to, let's just hypothetically speak about Apple because Tesla is a case anyways. But Apple, and when they're talking about the Apple car, and if they're getting into this space. Well, they're saying that Apple, uh, from a brand strategy standpoint and the way they actually position their products, they would not be interested in, in getting into a space where they have to deal with all the baggage, so to speak, I'm not getting technical there, that a Ford or, you know, one of those companies came with, they will have their own philosophy, their own design philosophy, and they'll want to control a lot of that ecosystem as well. So that's the counter no. argument, I guess, that a lot of them make. But in this, it becomes interesting that when you mention that, no, you know, there, there is a case also to be made for car makers with that treasure trove of knowledge and information that they come with, which, is, which has been gathered over the years.
1: And I think you're seeing that with uh, with with Audi that in the last, I think, what, one month, they've launched four or five different electric vehicles. And, you know, I think uh, I, me as a designer, I kind of hate the way some the Tesla interiors look like they just are so boring. I mean, I can take an iPad and just they stuck an iPad on the dashboard and call it an interiors. I mean, come on, give me a break there. But... I think that's why you don't
2: like the minimalistic designs. It's it's
1: it's 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 minimal, and I like minimal, but it's it's not. It still needs to be interesting. I mean, that's just you know. This is actually a good thing here because there was a very interesting article I read here that, and they compared Range Rovers and Audis with Teslas, and the fact that why do why Range Rovers, Audis, and some of the higher end sort of luxury car manufacturers. They get it so right in terms of like cockpit quietness, right? Like the the, the car inside, it's super quiet. You don't get a lot of noise coming in from outside. But Tesla, on the other hand, is very loud. And there was people saying that because Tesla is essentially a software company, they're not a real car manufacturer. They'll just put in software of noise cancellation and block out the outside noise without actually having a good seal on the rims or on the door frames or whatever that is.
2: See, that's a great example you bring, Aman, because I spent a lot of time with diesels and right. the amount of time you spend in NVH, what we call noise, vibration and harshness of a vehicle, right, and how to quiet that down. You just don't, with a diesel engine, you have a certain frequency, the, the engine is rotating, the pistons are going up and down, right, And it's not as simple as just putting some noise cancellation because there's not only the noise, there's the vibration, the harshness that one can feel and hear, right? That has all to be countered. So automotive companies generally have spent, they have experts, PhDs after PhDs, just looking at how to attenuate some of these noises, right? And they've now made it a standard. So, Audi, the interior is going to be quiet. Every seal, every bit of air coming in through the windows, through the every the, how the vents are designed, right? Your air vents are designed to ACs and every it's all something of an evolution that they've gone through that you just can't, you know, you can't just pick it up overnight. Right. So that's what, that's where the tie ups become very critical. So you use the best aspects of what a company has to offer, what their Mm -hmm. core technology is. And then you use another company that has the core technology. And when they, the marriage comes together, right? And if it's a good marriage, just like any other, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, then it works. Otherwise, you know, hey, uh, the babies are not going to be that <laughs> good looking Fair or enough. smart or whatever it might be. So,
0: <laughs> but, you know, you mentioned some of these uh, nitty gritties, and Aman was talking about some of the design philosophy. And, and you, as someone who understands product, as chief product officer, would understand these things, and you'll pay attention to detail and every minute aspect of it. But now I'm talking about this EV push aman mentioned in the beginning when it comes to the US and also in India two markets that you understand very very well we have this electrification ev policy by 2030 i think it's been it's not necessarily a law so obviously it's it's a policy it's a directive in nature we want manufacturers to start phasing out well the older technologies and move towards it You know, I'll I'll share an experience with you, Pri, the Auto Expo happens every year in Noida, in Greater Noida, Mm -hmm. and uh, I used to cover it every year and I went down in 2018 and I think Aman remembers this. Aman, this was the time when I tagged you in that lovely post of of a Hot Wheels lookalike car. And uh, that's perhaps the Contessa that Aman and I, by the way, Pri, as kids in Bombay. We never yeah, we would seen the Mustang we'd seen the Mustang in all its splendor uh-huh. but never on the roads so we always had a dream that we'll save up with our side hustles pick up a Contessa which looked like a good version of a Mustang with its uh, with its gear shift and everything and soup it up pimp that ride up and make it our uh, our sort of Hot Wheels fantasy uh, which which also translates into the original classic Mustang which Aman and I wanted to take uh, even when we came down to LA when I, mean, I when I visited LA but. Yeah. That was actually one of the big, uh, big things. But the theme in 2018 was going electric. And, mm-hmm. you know, I spoke to the guys at Renault, uh, spoke to some of the guys even um, uh, at Mercedes, very interesting electric plants that they showcased then, some of them in concepts. And then we also had a very interesting uh, a bit of well technology uh, showcased by companies like Ashok Leyland. Ashok Leyland has mm-hmm. been trying really hard to, to tie up. Back then, they had this thing where they said, Ayush, look, it's not going to work, uh, you know, this bit of charging infrastructure and stuff like that. So, what we've done is we're going to get our buses, uh try battery swapping, and we'll have these stations where every time they're stopping to, instead of refueling, in five minutes, swap the battery, get a charge battery, and move on. Now, I read up that they've tied up, I think, with ABB or one of the others, and now they move to mm-hmm. these uh, Tosa fast charging uh, sort of uh, technology, which is now what they're trying. Yeah. So I just feel like there's so many hiccups along the way. We, we talk about an EV policy in India, but there's not even... We spoke about hybrid and hybrid never happened in India. We just skipped this whole yeah. stepping stone to EV in India straight into this policy. What is the, what is the What are these hurdles or obstacles that you see, especially in developing countries like India, that are holding us back from this technology becoming universal?
2: So you know what, I'll answer your question. Starting from a very different viewpoint, sure. Because let's start from a place where it worked, right? Where, if you look at a city like Shenzhen mm-hmm. in China, overnight they converted their entire fleet of buses sixteen thousand buses to all electric. Wow! They've got thirty thousand cabs and police cars and everything converted. And it's all through my old company. I was there when they were delivering like something like five thousand buses to them. The entire entire our factory as far as our eyes could go on this on this in this town where the factory was. It was only buses lined up, you know. So but that was a decision the government, the local government made. There was no attention paid to demand and supply and weather meeting. Now, we are going to give you the supply, you're going to do this, period. And they've got, they put in the, the charging stations, they put in, created the infrastructure and they converted it. It was a light switch event, right? Just turn everything off one day, turn everything on one day. So it could work. Now, us being in a democracy in both places, right, it, it kind of adds a new layer of complication because here you have to go through the public opinion. It's public money. It's, it's, it's how you spend it, what happens, what infrastructure projects you get. You know, there's a lot of bureaucracy and everything else. So there is, there, what's going to end up happening is the private enterprise is going to drive this effort has to drive this effort now Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. so far they have been quiet because there's no infrastructure to support it but as the private enterprise starts picking up pace the government is going to have to catch up the infrastructure piece of it has to come up right and so far the conversations that the what are some of the challenges we've had why why isn't this all over the place right it's, it's it's very simple. It comes down to economics, right? If you look at a market like India, when I'm looking at trucks, for example, you know, I'll give you a very, you know, y- which you will completely connect to is, is India is such an outlier when it comes to power per ton of payload capacity, right? Or what... Mm-hmm. Actual payload to how many horsepower the, mm-hmm. the vehicle has. Such a oddball, no other country even comes close. So, what in US, for example, you would require a 300, 400 horsepower engine spec minimum to meet, to carry a certain load, India does it with one fourth that or even less okay because it all comes down to cost Mm. it's total cost of operation tco so that is the biggest driving factor and so far what was happening is your electricity could be cheaper than diesel or petrol and from a mileage standpoint but the initial cost of ownership is so Because of the battery pricing was so high that you couldn't play in the same market without government incentives, huge, massive incentives, right, to totally offset the cost. So now that the battery pricing has come down, I mean, just over the last two years, what I've seen, I mean, I'm really surprised at how much it's gone down. I I thought it would take a little bit longer, but I was wrong. And it's a good thing, you know, in this case that, that, you know, because it's really, and now is the right time where Mm -hmm. it's come to a point where there's enough, there's just enough gap that you need some government help. But you are at a point where on a, just without subsidies, you could almost make the total cost of ownership equal to a a diesel powertrain or gasoline powertrain right and so that was the the missing piece that was keeping keeping the entry into this market or uh, you know that much more difficult or making it more difficult for people to get into to electrification and there's obviously the and it anecdotal you know effects of like uh, how do you derange anxiety people have you know and those things are going to play and you have to kind of just overcome those slowly as as people start using it and I think what Indian government for example is doing what the LA or California is doing are the right things like California Mm -hmm. said We're gonna start at the ports, right? right? Because Mm -hmm. those are the easiest. You can put the infrastructure there. Then they're gonna go to refuse trucks, right? Because they all go back to a certain depot. Then delivery trucks, where they all go back to a certain depot. Mm. So you can put in infrastructure. You can put in the charging infrastructure there, right? Without having to. So long haul, even in the US, is a long ways away from going all electric, Right. right? But same way in India, now what the governments are, local governments are doing with buses. Mm -hmm. That's where Ashok Leland Mm -hmm. and these companies are really pioneering that, taking that market in is because, you know what, it's it's a bus. It's got to go to a depot eventually and it's going to have to. And, you know, and things like, I don't know how long it'll take, but. But here, for example, in Long Beach, in certain places here with LA Metro, they're doing inductive charging, right? Correct. So they've got plates underneath that when it stops at a, at a depot for like 10 minutes, it's being charged, charged at high DC rates without ever contacting anything, right? right? So those are all technologies that that's being de- deployed here. Interesting. Now, and so similarly... I think evolution, natural evolution, will will translate that, you know, developing nations will also start having that, that right. kind of, uh, you know, infrastructure available. And, and the government is doing their part. They're trying to do it anyhow. And uh, it'll take a little while because the mindset has to change. You can't operate the same way, right. you know, with the level of bureaucracy and everything else. It's got to cool. go happen. And to a certain degree it's just gotta be mandated, like Shenzhen did. You know, that's a right. great example I always give that and if a city can just turn overnight yep. into all electric, right? Then what's to stop anybody? What's to stop any city from doing it? Right, right. It's just the will of the government to wanting to do it.
1: You know, I'm so, that actually on, on, on that, I have a couple of more questions that I thought about while you were talking. Um, when it comes to the horsepower issue, and and we know here in America, people love their pickup trucks and giant SUVs, which obviously mm-hmm. means you want 500 and upwards of horsepower, which is going to affect your range and your charging times and things like that. And as you mentioned, in India, it's something I didn't know, actually, that India operates at one-fourth of the horsepower capacity. But does that mean that the actual range could be... more? Could be? Now, I don't know if the one-fourth is, a right, is right or wrong. It, maybe it's just what India does, but does that mean that could effectively help with range because the horsepower is less, which means you have less usage of the battery?
2: It's absolutely... It's a direct translation, right? So it's it's. There's no. It's laws of physics still apply in India, so. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. I guess I was no... paying
1: attention in twelfth in twelfth grade when I was yeah. learning physics. <laughs> and all and, and all the private
0: tuitions Aman was taking as well, might I add. Right. He, which took, he, took, he took three to separate classes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't try to sneak out of that, are
2: <laughs> you? But Well, know, it's got to be worth something you brought him here, right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, one more thing but, I want Oh, yeah. Go yeah. ahead. No. No, I was just going to mention that that obviously, yeah. So, it it does help in in the overall range because you don't have you're not utilizing. So, you can downsize your motor. So, you can use and really for the what's what's going to happen is the range is not going to increase necessarily okay the cost is going to come down got it
1: easier to so,
2: own, right so because you're going to put a smaller battery pack and what you're going to do is run with a smaller battery pack and one thing like if you look at the rickshaws and and uh, the two wheelers in india right the reason they're kind of making inroads into electrification is because the battery Mm -hmm. power required is so little, right? They're running like a, literally a five, you know, 10 horsepower engines at times, which is some of the lawnmowers here have more, more, more power than the auto rickshaws in India. Right. So you require that much less, that much less battery power. So that's kind of where, where this, uh, you know, where you, how you utilize that that uh, disparity between right. power and and what's required to where where India is today, you know, it, I think it's going go to go more towards reducing the cost in the battery pack. So that's right. Right. you know I think where it's going to be. But you know, when the, the range the... is required, you could do that too, right?
1: But the infrastructure conversation is, I think, very valid because I never thought about it in the way you explain where the commercial vehicles, public vehicles, like buses and trucks, they all go back to a set, you know, they have a routine almost, right? They, they, they go back at the mm-hmm. end of the day and they get charged. But but when you come to private vehicles, and I think a Business Insider, an Indian uh, sort of journal, uh, Indian journalism website has Reported that one in five electric vehicle owners in California have switched back to gas charging, because uh, uh, gas charging. No, switched back to gasoline-powered cars because of charging issues, and that you know that ties into the infrastructure question. Because even in a country like like the U.S. and in a city like L.A., which is car city, right? It's the it's the capital of cars in the world um and 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 even in a city like ours people are finding charging hard so i think there needs to be a push by governance to force uh, public infrastructure for electrification and you know this is all very um interesting to me because this ties into something that i'm passionate about which is urban design and how cities have to be designed moving forward and so that we don't have these you know, giant four-level parking garages sitting every, at, at every other corner. It's such a... It it, 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 it it just struck me how automobiles and urban design and architecture are actually so connected moving forward. It's... Um,
2: Absolutely. It's, it's the the automobile that allowed a lot of this to happen, right? The onset of automobiles was something that allowed this. And going back to your earlier question of... of or comment you made about L.A. and about one in five people in, you know, electrical vehicle owners in California going back to a gasoline You have to understand, it's a very different market here, right? I mean, you're talking about an $80,000, $60,000 Tesla, you know. Now that, a person who can afford that can afford a $20,000 spare car, okay? Now, so... Yeah, for convenience, I want to have another car just in case I want to drive more than, or I forgot to charge one day,
1: right, right? Right.
2: In a place like India, when you don't have those resources that easily available, and when you're competing in a market, that the first question anybody asks is what is the mileage your car gives, right? Before yes. anything else is ever asked, yeah. right? Now. <laughs> so it's 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 it becomes a whole different story, right? Where the they will that's where I, I talk about the pop, private enterprise, you know, because some of the things that have happened in the past ten years in India has happened even besides the government. That's true. In spite of the government. It's pure initiative from the private enterprise. That's driven that, right? Similarly, I think it's gonna happen here too. If you bring the cost down to parity Mm -hmm. and you show people, right? People are gonna want it and then they're gonna demand the infrastructure and there's gonna be some private enterprise who's gonna come and fulfill that demand. Interesting. Right? So it's it's a bit of a, you know, who, who's who's on first kind of yeah. situation yeah. here, but but I think with the pricing coming down, that is going to jumpstart things.
0: You're right, you know, Pri, and I think that's an interesting point, Aman, that pre makes. That especially because you guys understand Bombay as well, and and look, we're going through tough times in a pandemic. Uh, things in mm. India are rough, and uh, although Bombay started off, uh, you know, quite in the thick of things. Delhi seemed okay but the wave caught up with us and then there's no there's no comparing but Delhi's in a much worse state than Bombay now and experts out here are saying well how is Bombay how has Bombay managed to do it no it's not necessarily a government push well the private sector has really come in and sort of uh, sorted things out at least in Bombay to a large extent be it supplies be it be it vaccinations stuff like that so I think you're right with that now we can go on forever free with this conversation because when geeks get together well they get together but before we wrap up there is something that I find very fascinating about your journey and the journey itself is is quite inspiring for a lot of people we have a lot of young people watching this podcast, listening to this podcast on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, the like that was our plug anyways, let's tech podcast at gmail.com <laughs> is how they can reach out to us and pre. But but the question, the last question that I have, and I thought we'll wrap up after that, is that this is a journey where you started off from here, uh, in Bombay like us and you've you've really built this great career out there and, you know, a reputation um, where where you're the most saw, one of the most sought after people in in the electric space. I'll tell you why a lot of my friends and a lot of people I know in Bangalore and Hyderabad go down the typical coding route and then everyone thinks okay, it's an Infosys or a TCS here or then we're heading to maybe a Google or a tech you know a typical tech company like that over there. You've worked at you know you've basically covered the spectrum. What is your message and I don't want to sound too uh, too didactic to the younger people watching, but it's a simple question what is your message to? To, to well, a lot of guys out here who are who, who ch- check your LinkedIn profile and they say, "Hey, I want to do what Pre does in another 20 years from now." What would you tell them?
2: Just follow your passion, man. I mean, I it's as cliche as it sounds. You know what? I really think that that's what I ended up doing was I was passionate about cars. I was just like you guys were looking at Contessa. You know, I used to have you know, different different cars in my mind, you know, <laughs> that I used to look up to and I was always like, okay. And, I, you know, you might have heard of DC. Uh, yeah. Dilip Tabria. Yes, yeah. Dilip Tabria, yeah. So he was one of, one of our neighbors, right? So I used wow. to see all these modifications, <laughs> you know, cars that he built and I was just so fascinated. And I'm like, okay, you know what, I got to do something, I got to do something. I came here, actually, to become a mechanic, right? And then, but at, very soon I realized, you know what? I don't want to be fixing cars. I want to be designing them, ah. you know? So I switched over to, to becoming an engineer. And through that process, of course, I was very adamant that I'm not going to get into any other industry but automotive. And that time, you know, it was the, the tech boom. It was all soft every person wanted to be a software engineer. the highest paid jobs the easiest way to get a job and everything else but i stuck to my guns i said no that's my passion if i'm going to do something it's going to be mechanical engineering and it's going to be in the automotive space and that's kind of how i've joined and you know i continued that path and when i saw the opportunity here to get into electrification you know took that because i said hey this is what I need to learn about. I've learned enough about diesels now. I need to learn something new. I've got to keep myself relevant, you know? And I was really very interested in how this whole piece of infrastructure also works, you know, with electrification. So kind of did that. And then always having worked for like huge companies, like 12 billion, $18 billion companies, going to a company with five people, right? A startup. I'm like, I've never done a startup. Hey, let me take a chance. You know, what do I have to lose? I'm sure I can find myself another job if this doesn't work out. <laughs> and so kind of taking your chances that way. And so it's, you got to follow your passion. If you're happy doing what you're doing, you know, things will fall in place. So, and you know what, if anybody wants to ever reach out in terms of their career and one, two, two, you know, I would love to mentor anybody or so good. be That's very nice. be a sounding board, you know, for anybody who wants to, to know because, uh, wow. yeah, I've been fortunate, I've been lucky, but, you know, Thank you, Pri. Um,
0: Aman, Aman, you're going to put down you're going to put down the yeah. linkedin profile for Pri i'll, right I'll
1: put free's <laughs> profile down there and if anyone wants um you know please feel free to reach out to him i'm sure he will be more than happy to guide you give you advice as he does so to me uh thank you so much free for joining us this has been extremely informative um and and we've learned things that we had no idea about and while ayush and i will continue um you know uh, uh, Continue our discussion on what my next electric car will be, which I'm quite <laughs> sure it will be electric because it, I think it's the way to, it's the way to move forward. And um, you know, when it comes to India, there's another; it, it's a whole different story. But hopefully, maybe it can just be uh, people going into electric as a status symbol. Because I remember a very good friend of Ayush and I. Uh, the first question he asked uh, my girlfriend at the time was, which cars do you have? So maybe something like that will push people to go electric. I don't know, but hopefully we know for sure that electric is the future. Uh, It's the, it's definitely also the present, but it's undoubtedly going to be the
2: future. It it starts from the past. So I sent you a picture, you know, and it's really electrification is nothing new. It's, in the 1918, you know, was the first electric trucks, something like that. You know, we used to have one at XOS, bought at an auction. was a 1918 wow. truck, which was all electric, lead acid batteries, the whole nine yards. And so it's not something new. It's we forgotten about it, right? And then now it's coming back into fashion, and I don't see it going away this time you know, very easily. Right, right. So <laughs> it's here to stay. So I and hey guys, I'm really proud of you guys for doing this podcast and thank you guys you. are doing a fantastic job. Congratulations you, and wish you all the luck and you know uh you know you have a supporter in me.
1: Thank you thank so you, much me so you know, much <laughs> on, on, on that note for those of us for those of you watching us on YouTube, uh, you guys saw the little image that Pre has sent uh, out there—the first electric OR. That's where it started, and it's time to bring it back. So, on that note, again, Pre, thank you so much for coming on. We have loved to have you. And uh, for everyone else, our Instagrams are down there. Pre's LinkedIn profile is down below. Thank you for tuning in. Um, And as always, we'll be back very soon with another episode of Let's Think About It. But until then, goodbye for now.